the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for your presence today. The Bible beautifully describes the creation of the first man, woman, and marriage. God made the heavens and the earth with us in mind. Then he made man in his image and breathed into him the breath of life to care for the universe he created. If that wasn't enough, he made woman from the rib of man to compliment him. And with God's blessings, they became husband and wife. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander articulates this beautiful truth from the Holy Scriptures. A good testimony before God and before people. Before people. Uh, Listen, I wouldn't want anybody blowing in my face and all that kind of stuff. If you love me, you marry me. If you're not going to marry me, move on. I I got this man and I'm just going to hold on to him. You got, you know, my, he would live in a day that where people want children. They want, people want children without marriage. We live in that day. I feel people say, I want to have a baby, but I don't want to get married. And all that foolishness. Marriages, babies and children ought to be born in the context of a husband and wife. Do you realize there are fewer husband, wife relationships with children born out of that relationship, like my like my mother and my, like my daddy. My daddy had sixteen brothers and sisters, ten boys, and and six girls, and they they all came from the same mama and daddy. You know that is really, really, really rare nowadays. You know, hey, if you say you love me, then don't talk the talk. Let's put that love into action. Talk is cheap. Don't don't let that man, ladies, devalue you. If he love you, he need to respect you enough to go all the way and make the commitment. You make the commitment. You say you love me, then display that love. Let's go get married. You're not going to marry me? Then stop wasting my time. You're wasting my time. I need to move on with my life. I don't have time to be playing around with you. Number nine. Won't y'all say amen? <laughs> uh, here's another. They live, why people co- cohabitate and they share. They live together in sin while saving up their finances to have a big wedding. Rather than having something small and living in obedience to God. They say, oh, yeah, we're shacking up, but we're going to get married. We're saving up for the wedding and you're about to get a God sized whooping. No, what you if you can't afford a big wedding, go and stop living in sin with the expectations of having a big wedding. 
Go on, get you some life. Say, I do. And wait till you can afford to have the wedding you want. Then you get yourself a big wedding. And just because you're a big wedding, that doesn't make a great marriage. There's some, some, some couples spend $25,000, $30,000 on a wedding. Can't stay married two weeks. My, my wife and I, you know, we've been married 34 years. And uh, I won't go back too far. But, but, when, uh, but, but when we got married... We got married at Mount Horror Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, uh, on, on Gray Street, just outside of Fort, in Fort Ward, outside of Houston. And uh, we said, anybody want to see us get married, you come to church that day. I had made arrangements. We made arrangements with our pastor, and they heard the sermon. And then her, be- her best friend and my best friend, they came up to the altar, and we got, after the benediction, the wedding music started playing, we came up, said I do, and... Uh, Committed our vows, kissed, and went happily ever after. And uh, the next week, we had a small reception in one of my wife's friends' home. And we couldn't afford all that stuff. We couldn't afford. I mean, if you can have a big cake and beautiful flowing gowns and glitter and, and you can have all that stuff. It is so pretty. It's beautiful. You cried. And Aren't they beautiful? The train, the entourage, they are coming. Ooh, ah. <laughs> we didn't have all that, but we've been married for 34 years. That ought to count for something. Just because you spent a whole lot of money don't mean you're going to have a quality relationship. Matter of fact, you ought to put some of that money on the wedding on, on some furniture. Put it on a, you having a big wedding, don't have a couch to, to, to sit on. Good big wedding, don't have a decent bed. Came by roast spray. But I had a big wedding. The folk go on about their business and they forget about all that stuff. And you sitting there broke 20 years paying on a marriage, paying on that wedding, and you divorced in two. <laughs> Let me go on. Now, for those of you who are cohabitating or shacking up right now, I'm talking about right now, and I know you out there by radio, television, and in this congregation, allow me to give you some words of wisdom. Number one, Repent and get out of sin and abstain from premarital sex. Repent, get out of sin, and abstain from premarital sex. That's right. Do do right before God. Number two, get premarital counseling. Know what you're getting into. I don't care. If God reveals some signs, the day before the wedding and you got the gown and you got the cake and you got the marriage coordinator. Uh, it doesn't listen. If the spirits say don't do it and you see those signs and they listen, they big writing on the wall. It can be the day of. Don't you do it. We've had, we've had cases right in this church the day 
before the marriage where one of the, the spouse had second thoughts and say, I'm seeing some things that is disturbing me. And they came to the conclusion that they wouldn't do it. And I said, good for you. Bless you. Don't worry about folks where they bought all these presents. They bought all those. Give them back. And, and, and if, they, if they try to give them back, you ought to tell them to go and keep it for having that kind of conviction. They, you give them a toaster and you ought not even take that toaster back. Don't let them have it for the courage. For the courage. That was courageous. You know, because of your courageous spirit, listen, that's worth that toast I gave you for a wedding gift. Keep that, baby. Don't worry about what folks say. You got to sleep with that man. You, you, hey man, you got, to, you got to eat with that man and that woman. That's going to be your marriage. I don't, if the signs of that, some of y'all saw some signs and that love and that hope and them false expectations moved you on and you went, you just pranced around and had your little la-la dance and went on out and, be, and, and fell into depression. And I'm talking to somebody in here. You could have saved yourself a divorce, a whole lot of trouble, but you didn't read your signs. It doesn't matter. Hey, uh, nothing new under the sun. God reveals that to you. Then wait. As Pastor Rander continues the most beautiful love story ever told from the best resource ever written, he conveys the role of the husband and wife in marriage. Marriages founded upon and lived out according to the word of God are marriages that last till death do us part and set the God-ordained marital foundation for generations to come. Listen as Pastor Rander continues to feed our hearts, minds, and souls with this sacred truth from God's word. Number three. Get your marriage license. Anytime we marry Maranatha, you got to have. Matter of fact, those licenses going to be on my desk before days before that wedding. That's right. Days before. I want to see license. Real license. I'm not operating on assumptions. And then once you get those licenses, fourthly, get to the altar and say, I do. Get to the altar and say, I do. Okay? That's not, you know, it's not illegal. There's nothing wrong to get married in a court, on a ship, and all those stuff. But it's something sacred about getting married at the church. Now, just because you got married in other venues don't mean you're not married. I'm not saying that one bit. But, man, it's nothing like the church. Nothing like the house of God. Before the people of God to the glory of God. Huh? Because that judge could be lost marrying you. So those things are okay, but what trumps all is the church. Uh, I wish I can go. You have to have about 10 more minutes. Let's go about 10 more. And then I'll be done. Oh, God help me. Let me see here. Why did God create marriage? Why did God create marriage? Now, God didn't just happen to create marriage. It wasn't created by accident. Why did God create marriage? Number one, God gave Adam a wife because he needed a suitable companion and helper to complete him. God gave Adam a wife because he needed a suitable companion 
and helper to complete him. Genesis 2, 20 B says, but for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And so in Genesis 2, 18 B, it says, I will make him a helper comparable to him because the animals couldn't satisfy Adam's need, but that woman could. Number two, God created marriage in order to ensure the process of procreation for the continuous of the human race. God created marriage in order to ensure the process of what? Procreation for the continuance of the human race. Genesis 1:28a says, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The procreation of the human race through the family was God's original plan for mankind from the, from the very beginning. Satan has undermined marriage and has severely damaged the family through selfishness and car- carnal gratification, which ushers in all kinds of sexual perversion. And we can clearly see Satan attempting to cut off the propagation of the human race through abortion and same-sex marriage. He created marriage because he expects us to be fruitful and multiply in the context of holy matrimony. Number three, God created marriage for family. God created, God created the family to raise up a godly offspring. Okay, these are big points that I want you to get. Uh, God created the family to raise up a what? A godly offspring. Again, according to Genesis 1.28, God gave a command to be fruitful and multiply to Adam and Eve in order to have children and to teach them the word of God to affect the world for righteousness, which will bring about stability and civility in society. When, when children are born in a holy relationship in a marital relationship, Christian relationship, then you train those children up the way they should go. And when they leave the home, they begin to affect the world for righteousness as we pass on to glory. You see, in other words, the height of selfishness for the Christian family is when they do not want to have children for the sake of selfishness and inconvenience. Well, they children too expensive. They've always been expensive. Always been expensive. That's no reason to have children. What if your mother and father thought that about you? When we fail to produce children, we fail to be a godly influence on society, being salt and light in a dark and decadent world. It is a dangerous thing when heathens and pagans and lost folk and cults have more children than Christians because this better equips Satan to fight against God and his church while our own Christian ranks are diminishing. You know, they're having children and we'll stop having children and, and to, to the detriment of the nation. Why did God create marriage? Number four, God created marriage to enjoy sexual intimacy. He created marriage to enjoy sexual intimacy. Everyone with the Bible turn to 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5. We'll be done in just a few moments. But this is so critical. This is so critical. 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5. 
God created marriage to enjoy sexual relationship. When you find a text, say amen. Now regarding the question you ask in your letter, I'm reading from the New Living Translation in this for this particular text. Uh, now regarding the question you ask in your letter, yes, it is good to live a celibate life. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs, sexual needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband give authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourself more completely to prayer. Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Okay? All right? Now, if you don't want to give about your body over to your husband and, and meet sexual needs, you can't get married. Say, so we we're going to get married, but we're not going to have sex. Well, if you don't have sex, then don't get married if you don't want to have sex. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. I'm telling the truth. You can't get married and say, don't touch me. Now, listen at this closely. Y'all listening. It is amazing how Satan has deceived Christian couples. Many have sex before marriage and then stop having sex after marriage. Isn't that something? They can't wait. Sitting all over the place. Can't wait. Can't wait. Then get married. Mm. That's that's mind boggling. Sex before, cut off afterwards. It is unbiblical, nor does it display the love of Christ to abstain from sex within marriage for any whimsical excuse. Let me give you some of these excuses. I'm, you can't have none tonight because I'm upset that you didn't take out the trash. I'm tired. You start saying I'm tired three times before you go to bed. You want your spouse to get the message that you're tired. Give them energy drink. <laughs> Give them a booster. And they were naked <laughs> and not ashamed. Uh, uh, I'm tired. I don't feel like it. I'm not in the mood. I don't feel good. Here's one the big one. I have a headache. Keep some Tylenol. Next to the to the lamb. <laughs> Give it to her two hours before a hip. <laughs> headaches, headaches, headaches. Ah, my migraine, my headaches. <laughs> uh, I'm fasting and praying. That that has to be with agreement, and you you can't be fasting and praying for eight weeks. 
I'm in a spirit of prayer. Prayer will move you to obey God and not starve your spouse sexually. You see, my friends, this gives tremendous opportunity for Satan to establish a foothold and opens the door for infidelity and pornography in the marriage. You're contributing to the problem when you do such things. Now, I know that time, those, th- those reasons are really legitimate, and we respect that when a person's sick and all those kinds of things. But don't use those things as a cop-out. Number five, God created marriage to encourage self-control. God created marriage to encourage what? Self-control. Because God created marriage, those who advocate abstaining from lawful marriage are in direct violation of Scripture. This is why so many Catholic priests get themselves in trouble trying to maintain the rule of priestly celibacy. If you don't have the gift of celibacy, you need to ask the Lord to give you a spouse and get yourself married. First Corinthians 7, 9 says, but if they can't control themselves, you run around here and he talking about and yet you're talking about you. No, you don't have the gift of celibacy. But if, if you can't control, it says, if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It is better to marry than to burn with lust. Just in lust. You burning up. You blazing. Ask God for a spouse. And I'm, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Don't let sex be the only reason for marriage. That's another thing. Uh, it takes more than sex to keep a marriage together. Won't y'all say amen? And I can go a whole nother thing there, but I'm going to try to keep on moving. Because that's a whole nother thing I can elaborate on. Uh, number six, finally, marriage is a picture of a loving relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. Marriage is a picture of a loving relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. As the husband is the head of the wife, Christ is the head of the church. Just as the husband is the bridegroom and the wife is the bride, Christ is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. And just as the blood of Christ covers the church, the husband should be a covering for his wife and family. See that analogy between the Lord and, 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 the, and the husband being the head of the family as Christ is the head of the church? When you speak of covering, you say, what, you, you, the husband is the covering for the wife, the covering for those children, it means that he, his, his obligation as a covering is to protect his family, to protect them from, co- uh, from corruption, you know, protect, protect their innocence, to guard the house, you know, to be a covering over those finances, to make sure everything stay, stay balanced to, to the glory of God. It, it, it is to give them guidance and instruction and to protect them from the evil and ills of society. When marriage operates on the basis of God's original design, it becomes a clear picture of the kingdom 
on earth that arrest the attention of onlookers to the point that they desire what we have because they see love in the marriage. When they see submission and unity and selfless sacrifice in that marriage, when they see a servanthood and trust, obedience and worship, they see that in a way that they have never seen before. However, the sad commentary is that instead of the family being a model on the earth, the Christian family, as we see it today, has become blurred and distorted with multiple divorces, distorted with the Christian marriages, distorted with adultery and pornography, materialism, pride, reversal of roles, drunkenness and bitterness. Only repentance and realigning of our marriages back to biblical principles can clear up the distorted picture that we are displaying currently on earth. And all God's children said, amen. We finished that section. Praise God. Father, we thank you for this message. We love you. We bless you. How wonderful you are. So much insight in this message. Thank you for revealing scripture to us and the practical side of it the application of it so that Christian marriages can clear up the distorted picture that we now have before an onlooking world. Father, move husbands and wives into repentance. May this message prepare those who are single so that they will go about the business of marriage in a way that is good and proper before you. We love you, Father. Sink this message deep in the hearts of your people, that your name be glorified and the church edified. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, Amen. Pastor Rander concludes this message by sharing spiritual wisdom regarding the God-ordained role of the husband and wife in marriage, children and parental responsibility in the family, and pastors, bishops, elders, deacons, and women in the church. There is no question that God sanctified marriage. He ordained and blessed it in the beginning. If we desire to experience joy in marriage, we must follow God's lead. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located in Converse, Texas. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.